You are listening to special pandemic coverage of the coronavirus on The John DePietro Show. J.K.L. Engineering. Folks, whether it's wintertime, spring, or summer, they'll keep you nice and comfortable in your home. Why not let J.K.L. Engineering let them design and install a natural gas, high-efficiency carrier infinity system? Energy-efficient, quiet, more affordable than you think. No gas, no problem. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, it can reduce your oil bill as by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market, and they also do new installation replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. Now, J.K.L., is a carrier factory authorized dealer. They're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Folks, let's face it. Being inside, being comfortable in your home, is there anything more important right now with what we're going through? Call J.K.L. Engineering. Central Air is a game changer for your life. Talk about improving quality of life. Here's what I'm saying. J.K.L., they'll keep you warm in the wintertime and cool in the summertime. 53 years of experience, their reputation, Second to none, whether you're in Rhode Island or Massachusetts, call J.K.L. Engineering today. Estimates are free. Financing is available for both residential and commercial. Call my friends at J.K.L. 401-351-7600. Remember, estimates are free. Financing is available. Let's be nice and comfortable in your home. J.K.L. 401-351-7600. Folks, it's John DePietro. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go till 2 a.m. 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Joining me right now, folks, he does such a terrific job from the Boston Globe. It's Dan McGowan. And, Dan, I want to tell you what a good job you did with your story regarding River Casino. It looks and smells the same, but it, familiarity ends there. I I felt a need to either get a glass of water or brush my teeth after I read it. Um, that is so descriptive, and I, I wasn't even conscious of it. But just take us through. That is a great story in the globe. I really appreciate it, John. Thank you. Yeah, you know, the I found a little bit of a carving out a niche here of, of covering sort of the first time you go back to different places. And, uh, you know, Twin River uh, opened on Monday. And, you know, I, I thought it, when I heard that they were doing this this idea of, uh, you know, you know, opening to a select few. I thought, boy, I wonder what that's going to look like. And I, you know, I'm very interested in the the casino industry in general, and Twin River I find to be very interesting. So, I asked them to to let me kind of uh, hang out for for a while, for a couple hours uh, on Monday morning. And, you know, it, it is it's a strange setting. The thing that I'm getting a lot of kind of laughs for is it it smells exactly like what everybody knows Twin River smells like. Um, uh, but, but the rest of it is, is a, it's a very strange setting because, you know, we always think of, of Twin River, I think historically is always thought of a place where generally you're going to see a much older crowd kind of smoking cigarettes, playing slot machines. And, you know, the, the scene in there, at least in this initial reopening is, you know, it's catering to that crowd because nothing else is open, right? So you can't go, you're not going to the restaurants, you're not going to the sports book, you can't right. play, you know, poker or anything like that. It is, it is literally for the VLT machines, the slots, the, you know, b- digital blackjack. 
but now it's separated by, you know, pretty much you sit down at any machine, your two or three machines next to you on either side are shut off. Uh, in fact, the chairs are, uh, seats are kind of ripped out. And, and so you're really in this very, very isolated uh, situation. It, it, it's, it, 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 it's striking how much uh, I, I think, you know, they're, I think the casino just really wants to get its, it's hardcore, you know, fan base back, but you know, you you start to see what this really looks like. And if this is going to be the case for, let's say the next couple of months, even as they start to invite more people back, it it, it, it strikes me as hard to believe that, that, you know, you're going to start to get that nightlife crowd back in any way, because it's designed to be, you know, to kind of have you in isolation. So it's a, it's a very strange setting, but uh, it was fun to be there. It looks like, and my understanding, I'll tell you the other thing that's strange, strange on is they're, they're taking a lot of their cues from Las Vegas. Now Las Vegas and, and Nevada in general have, I think, uh, looser restrictions overall than Rhode Island. But one of the things that, that I've never actually seen these, uh, these uh, temperature uh, thermometers that you literally just stand in front of a machine um, and Five seconds later, pop your your temperature pops up on a machine. I've never I've never actually seen one before, and they say it's incredibly accurate. Um, you know, I was right around ninety nine that day, so I got a little nervous, but I was okay. Oh. Uh, but you know, it, it is, and, and, and I, I can't imagine. The question that I had was, um, boy, you know, it's going to be really embarrassing if someone is what they do is if you're over a hundred point four, that's when they say you can't come in. And I was asking, you know, has anyone tested over 100.4? And they said, no, we, we haven't had that situation yet. But it is a, you know, you're, you're waiting in line, you're all trying to get in, and every person has to have their temperature taken. That's both c- customers and um, uh, employees. So, yeah, it's very different, although the, the underlying, you know, the, the Twin River, you know, you and I know, is still very much Twin River. Can they... Is that a successful business model for them, or is this just a temporary fix? Well, I, I can't imagine how long term it's it, it is successful to, you know, or it's a successful business model to be, you know, not able to have people kind of near each other. Because I was even talking to to their general manager about this, and gambling is strange, right? In, in some cases, obviously, we know with with problem gamblers and things like that, it can be you know a very lonely experience. But, you know, the, I think many people, probably the majority of people who go to Twin River are probably like you and I, John. You, you know, maybe you go out to dinner, you want to hang out with your friends, have yep. a few drinks, play blackjack or something like that. And that is all rides on your, you know, on, on a social setting. You know, you spend a little bit more because your friends are spending sure. more. Um, and, yeah, I can't imagine that it will it will work like that. The, the one thing I think they really want to do, though, is get at least some semblance of revenue back in. And remember, the slot machines, the VLTs are the things that actually make the most money at the casino. And so that's why they wanted at least initially to have uh, these things running while, while they try to get everything else in place. Dan McGowan, how important is it to the state to get Twin River up and going, get some money flowing through there? Oh, I mean, remember, it's our third largest source of revenue. Um, and so... You know, it is 
it can't be any more important, right? I mean, this is our, you know, your money. Remember, for a long time, you've covered this for a while, John. Everybody always, you know, promised all oh, the, the, the lotto revenue or the, the casino revenue goes to education. We all know it actually goes into the general fund. Yep. By extension, that ends up being education money and other, you know, resources, state aid for cities and towns, things like that. And when you when you think about it, I mean, use by comparison, right, the, the income tax that the, the, uh, the, the state, you know, pushed off until July 15th. But remember, some people did still file their income taxes. They paid their taxes before the July 15th deadline. In this case, you literally went from making, uh, you know, the state's case, a million dollars a day to almost zero, right? The only money you were making was off of uh, the sports betting app. And so, that adds up immensely, obviously. And so, you know, I think there's a reason why the state kind of moved quicker. Remember, back, you know, only a couple of weeks ago, the governor was saying, I'm not sure if we're going to open up Twin River until July. And then it opens up this week. I think the state knows they need some of this money to start coming in, even if it's going to be, you know, complete, much, much smaller than, uh, you know, what they're normally seeing. Because I, I think they want to get this right so that, you know, a couple of months from now, things are mostly back to normal. Folks, uh, it's John DePietro with me is Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe and who Dan McGowan, folks, broke the story this week. Uh, and I think this is interesting, but uh, Congressman Langevin is going to have a challenger and it has to be certainly a name known in Providence, but he's got his work cut out for him in CD2, but it will be a primary. And um, and I and tell us how you broke this story, Dan McGowan. Yeah, you know, it, it, uh, the, the, the gentleman's name is Dylan Conley. By no means is he a household name. In fact, your listeners, the only reason they would even potentially know who he is is a couple of months back, you and I actually talked about how he, he proposed a uh, oh, yeah, like chairman a, a little... certain zone where you'd go and <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah, 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 that's right. Okay. That's right. So he, he proposed a, a 24-7 nightlife zone in Providence, the idea being you know, you, you if you get the clubs out of neighborhoods yep. and you put them all in the same spot, you know, you'll both attract more nightlife and then maybe also kind of get rid of the riffraff in some neighborhoods. Sure. So that's kind of, that's kind of the thing that he has become known for. He's a young guy. He's the son of a uh, state senator, William Conley, an East Providence yep. Democrat. Um, this is an uphill battle. You said it best. I, I, I think there there is very little chance that in 90 days, basically, you can put together a, a serious campaign to take out, you know, Congressman Langevin, who, you know, for, for all the criticism that he gets for kind of, you know, not being as, as, you know, front facing and as, as, you know, um, as in the news as maybe a David Cicilline, he's pretty stable. He's pretty popular. Um, it, it, so it's going to be very hard. What's interesting though, is this shows you there is, you know, this, this guy is a progressive. He's, uh, you know, lives in the West end of Providence. He's one of these guys that I think will, um, will approach a campaign against uh, Jim Langevin in a very different way than Jim Langevin is used to. I think you're going to have, I think you're going to see him, you know, talk about his experience personally. He, his wife is black. They have a son, you know, mixed race son. Um, and, and so I think you can potentially see him trying to capitalize off of that. The one thing that I'm curious about is if I'm Jim Langevin, do I even pay any sort of attention to this at this point, you know, what what in the world do I get for debating a young person like this? You know, I can probably cruise to reelection without doing very much. And so it'll be interesting to see how much, you know, Dylan Conley can grab a little bit of attention. And that's what he told me. His goal here is to, 
you know, do as much as he knows he's not going to raise a lot of money. So he wants to find as much, you know, as possible to get in the news, to try to get that kind of earned media. Um, again, I go back to it. It's an uphill battle. I think he's going to learn. This is a kid who's very ambitious. I think, you know, a lot of people saw him as someone who probably has a bright or see him as someone who has a bright future in politics. What he's going to learn now, though, is, you know, the hard reality. When you take on a Democratic incumbent like Jim Langevin, I think a lot of doors close to you very quickly. I wouldn't be surprised if you see some uh, amount of pressure for him to step away from the licensing board. Um, you know, you wonder what it's going to mean for his father as a, a potential candidate to be the Senate president someday. Um, nobody likes when you, when you disrupt the status quo. So I'll be very interested to see what, you know, what sort of backlash uh, Dylan Conley and his family get from, from this, uh, this campaign. Is there one issue, uh, Dan McGowan, I mean, in the past, Congressman Langevin, if he had a Democrat challenge, it was because at one time he was pro-life. And uh, Jennifer mm-hmm. Lawless, all these different people would try. You were always a target if you were pro-life. He, he switched that. He became pro-choice. But is there, is there one particular issue or is it just I'm a young guy, I'm a progressive? Langevin, definitely more of a, a moderate Democrat. But is there one yeah. thing in particular that he's like, this is the issue that Congressman Langevin's against that we're going to really exploit? No, there and isn't. that's why I okay. that's, and that's why a problem. I say it's a, yeah, it yeah. becomes a real problem because how do you separate yourself? I think he thinks he can lead this sort of young person movement, but you can't gain any real traction without saying, look, here's where the congressman is on X and here's where I am on X. And, you know, we're different in this way. It, it's hard to say, you know, oh, gee, he's 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 really nice, but he's been there too long. I don't think that resonates with voters. Um, especially in a year where we're not going to see a lot of door-to-door knocking, right? right? You're probably not going to see a lot of debate. And so I, I think that becomes a, a real challenge. This is not a pro-life versus pro-choice race or, or something like that. And, and, and so then it becomes much more difficult to kind of define each other. Yeah, and it's not the AOC, AOC race where that her opponent was, he was basically an incumbent living in Washington and never went back to the Bronx. Right. This is a much shorter window. Um is, is this possibly a tune-up to then run for mayor? I mean, to just get your name out there? Because a, a problem he faces is most of Providence falls under CD1, and that's Congressman Cicilline. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and don't forget, potentially two years from now, there will only be one congressional yes. seat as well. Uh, so that, that's one factor. Uh, you, you're astute here. That, that I think that there is a real chance that you could see this as, you know, you're, how, do, how, do, how can I build a campaign? Let's see if I can get a little bit of traction. And maybe two years from now, you know, it'll be my time to run for mayor when the mayor, mayor Lors is term limited. Um, you know, I think that is a real possibility. I'll tell you this. The, the other thing that, that is interesting, and I put this in, in, in roadmap yesterday when I broke the story, um, this, he lives in a district where uh, well-known state representative Anastasia Williams lives. Oh. Um, and, and, and as you know, Rep. Williams, now she's been in the spotlight lately um, you know, for her, for, for, for the, you know, kind of racial and the, the um, civil unrest reasons, but Rep. Williams is not the most popular person in her own no. backyard. She's had, she's had opponents before. I think a lot of people would have said, Hey Dylan, you know, if you really want to enter politics, your chances to potentially beat him. He's also in Senator Sam Bell's district, oh, wow. who's also pretty unpopular. Oh. Um, and so could have, you know, could have run a winnable race for, for the state legislature and is really jumping up into the major leagues here. I mean, this is going from, you know, rookie ball to, uh, 
to the big leagues when you're taking on Congressman Langevin. And I think he's going to find out pretty quickly that uh, it's going to be a very difficult task to even get on the radar, let alone run a competitive race. Folks, it's John DePietro with me, Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Coming up, we're going to talk about the situation with Ali's Donuts, what happened Friday night, uh, that and uh, and a lot more. And also, the Globe has a great story today, by the way, folks, an exclusive about the use of minority contractors. It's all ahead right here on the John DePietro Show. Folks, remember, for all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming, experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006, and also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today, 439 439- 6028 439 6028 whether it's tree removal stump grinding tree pruning emergency service bucket truck service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down at Yankee Tree Service, the licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439-6028, 439-6028. If they have to, they get right up there in the bucket. Yankee Tree Service, since 2006, tree trimming experts. Give them a call, 439-6028, or online at yankeetreeservice.com. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. This portion of the program brought to you by Bethel Certified Softwash. Let's make sure your house and property looks the best it can look. Right now, spring is the time. You can text Jared, free same-day text estimate, 401 617-2585. They have a great Facebook page, Bethel Certified Soft Wash. Let's get rid of that algae mildew that's outside in your home, the side of your home, on your pavement, on your patio. Maybe it's on the basketball court. Bethel Certified Soft Wash. They have a great Facebook page. Jared, the before and after pictures are just incredible. What your home could look like or your garage, your property with Bethel certified soft wash power wash now jared he came to our house folks it looks brand new get rid of you know it just happens you build up some of that algae and mildew and maybe sometimes you just have some dirt and grime bethel certified soft wash power wash especially now we're spending more time outside you want your house and property to look the best it can Jared did a fantastic job. My neighbors are saying, my goodness, Juan, look how beautiful your house looks. It looks so clean. My kid said, Daddy, it's like the house got a bath. I said, it did get a bath from Bethel Certified Soft Wash. 
text jared free same day text estimate 401-617-2585 find them on facebook it's bethel certified soft wash it's going to make your property your home your deck your walkway any outdoor surface he can get rid of it as far as the algae mildew gets rid of it with a very safe solution it's bethel certified soft wash with me is dan mcgowan of the boston globe and uh dan boy what a story to break rhode island failed to use minority contractors for 34 million in field hospital work uh nice exclusive by ed fitzpatrick your colleague in the globe and um boy i'm very anxious today to hear how governor mundo is going to answer that yeah, I mean, it, it, it presents an, an, a, a huge problem given the timing, right? Um, normally, uh, you and I both know that, that the, the fight over minority contracting is a real one, but is one that plays out deep behind, you know, behind the scenes and maybe once or twice a year in some sort of committee hearing, you know, this becomes an issue and then it goes away. But when you consider everything happening in the world and then you see that the state you know, couldn't put a dollar towards, uh, uh, you know, having minority contractors, you know, on this $34 million of, of spending, you know, for the three field hospitals in the state. Yeah, I think it does. I think it puts some pressure on her to, to answer some of the, to answer questions about this. My guess is the answer uh, is the kind of the one that's explained in Ed's story, which is they'll say, look, you know, we needed to do this rapidly and we went with who we knew. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's a reason in the story, you know, a lot of these people, it's not the familiar bomb throwers who are upset with this. You know, Senate, Senator Sandra Cano is not somebody who is normally out of step with the Democratic Party. And, and she's somebody who, it, you know, is pretty upset about this. Uh, you know, you're seeing a, a little bit more of, of that. And I think that's going to continue. I think there's going to be this year you're going to see um, a lot more conversation about whether it's minority contracting, whether it's you know, how minorities are treated when it comes to the police, the law enforcement officers, Bill of Rights, things like that. I think you're going to see uh, this uh, kind of remain a major talking point, at least for the foreseeable future. You know, you're someone that's covered Brett Smiley. Are, are you surprised and someone who also is politically ambitious? Um, were you surprised to hear this, Dan, that in light of everything going on, that that they didn't go out of their way? I mean, because they you're talking, they had millions of dollars. And I, I, I just that. It, it, it just seems I, I was very surprised to read the story. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's I think there's a you know, when you separate and when you and I who, who often look at these things when it comes to a political perspective, your point is right. I mean, look, Brett Smiley, is somebody who is uh, if you were to ask today, who's the, the front runner to be the next mayor of Providence, it would probably be Brett Smiley. Um, and you know, he, he clearly knows what he wants to do and what he wants to do after this job. And so you would think you would, at least in the back of your head, uh, if not because it's the right thing to do, you would think that that it's just politically you would try to steer contracts, at least to follow some level of, you know, what the state state guidance is around 10 percent, um, you know, of, of minority contracting. So, um, you know, I, I, it is I think it's really surprising I think it's it, it, the only reason, if we're being honest, that it's a significant story now is, is because of everything else that's happening. You know, this wouldn't normally be a major, um, you know, a thing that everybody would be would be worried about. But look, timing is everything. And I think this becomes a problem. I think it's a problem for Brett going in the long term. I think it's a short term problem for Governor right. Raimondo. Uh, folks, Dan McGowan pulled an all nighter as he was out uh, covering the 
riot that happened in Providence. There's a lot of developments <laughs> there. And uh, you had another late night, not, not an all-nighter, but that was a long afternoon into the night where uh, I certainly enjoyed following uh, everything going on on, uh, on Twitter. And I'd like to hear Dan McGowan's uh, Friday night coverage. Uh, just hear a little bit from you on that. Yeah, you know what we what we did was we kind of separated our our days. The three of us uh, uh, and Fitzpatrick, Amanda Milkovitz, and I, uh, the three Globe reporters. Uh, my job was to cover the the after hours, the the, the after curfew <laughs> shift, so to speak. Um, and so, what was really interesting was I got on probably right about eight thirty and went right to the state house and I actually spent about an hour with uh, uh, Public Safety Commissioner Stephen Perry and uh, and and Chief Hugh Clements. Um, who were kind of monitoring everything, um, uh, you know, right sort of on the side of the state house. And I just sat there and talked to them for a while and listened and, you know, what are you hearing? And, uh, you know, it was to watch the, you could see the relief on their face that, on their faces that this um, hadn't gone, at least at that point, hadn't gone in, you know, in a, in a bad direction. And then if you remember, and, it, and you saw it on Twitter, and I think you were there for a while too, the, um, when the governor kind of had to come out and, 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 and show up and, and sort of there, there was, you know, growing levels of tension um, right about at curfew time. And then I thought they did a nice job of kind of breaking things up. And I remember Chief Clements turned to me and said, well, this is where everything will start, right? This is where if anything bad is going to happen, it's going to happen now going forward. And we sat there and we watched as people kind of made their way to, to City Hall. And I was, they were letting, they were allowing me to listen to like the calls that they were getting in and things like that. And, and you, uh, they, they kept on hearing, okay, no, nothing major happening, nothing major happening. And they felt pretty good. And then I would say 10, 10, 30 is where as folks started to kind of a, a much smaller crowd, but a very passionate crowd started to kind of make their way to Federal Hill. And, um, uh, you know, the, you had a cut, you had a, a situation in front of the convention center where, uh, things got very, very tense. But generally speaking, they never reached a real, you know, there was never a real confrontation that, you know, resulted in any major level of violence. I know there was a, a handful of people arrested and, and there was some friction, but it wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't like Monday night by any means. I will tell you, really fascinating. Um, at one point, this is probably, I want to say 1130, 12 o'clock. Um, the, 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 the protesters were on Broadway and remember that's in between Atwell's Avenue. And then if you just go a couple of streets over, you're on your way to the public safety right. complex. And there was a, uh, there was a little bit of a clash and you saw the protesters getting really upset and the, and the police had, you know, a, a little bit of a kind of brigade across the street and they were standing shoulder to shoulder and you thought, oh boy, if something's going to happen, it, it, it's right here. And, I got to give credit to the police leadership. And, and this was not so much actually the chief and, and the public safety commissioner, but uh, uh, deputy chief, uh, uh, Tom Verdi, major LePayton. And these guys did a, a really intelligent thing, which was they, they asked their, the, the officers to kind of uh, uh, restructure where they were standing. And it looked as though the police were almost backing down from the oh. protesters, but what they were actually, what they were actually doing, which I thought was brilliant was they were closing off the side streets so that the marcher, the, the protesters could march back towards downtown, but they weren't ever in a position to kind of turn towards the public safety complex. I think there was, I think there was real fear 
that if you got in front of the public safety complex, the emotion that right. would come out from that could have gone, you know, could have gone wrong. And it was a, it was a really brilliant tactical mm. move. And then I will say to the credit of the protesters, at least the, the folks who were the loudest, the, there were a couple of women who, uh, you know, had, um, uh, you know, microphones mm. or whatever. They were, they were interesting because they, you know, they tried their best to say, Hey, look, the, you know, the police officers are, are walking with us. They're doing okay. And they were able to calm down a lot of, you know, aggressive male uh, uh, protesters who I think wanted in some ways to yes. clash and, and potentially oh, yeah. be arrested. These, these, these women were, were very strong and were able to keep people moving for the most part. You had a little bit of it, but it wasn't nearly the way it played out on, on Monday. So it was a good job kind of all around. In many Folks, ways. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. We're going to take a quick break, quick break, uh, final segment and talk with Dan about the uh, Providence police officer on paid leave. And uh, just a lot more of what's going on uh, right now. It's uh, really incredible. And the Globe coverage has been terrific. It's all ahead right here on the John DePietro Show. When your appliance is dying, just call Ryan. Ryan's Appliance Repair. Call them today, 401-710-7096. 401-710-7096. Ryan's Appliance Repair. Now, I like to tell the story. I don't mind. But one morning, I went up to uh, get up to use the dryer and just had done a wash, and suddenly it wouldn't work. Now, did I panic? No. Did I try to fix it? Don't be ridiculous. No, I called Ryan's Appliance Repair at 401 401- 710-7096. We made an appointment. Ryan said, Juan, I'll be there at, at 9 o'clock at 5 of 9. A truck appeared in my driveway. It said, Ryan's appliance repair. He came right in, fixed the driver, uh, dryer excuse me, within five minutes. And then, I think it was about two weeks later, I went to make uh, microwave popcorn, and then suddenly the microwave wouldn't work. So what did I do? I called Ryan's appliance repair at 401-710-7096. And then one time, even the oven wasn't working. And again, who did I call? You get the gist of the story. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Now, Ryan offers a senior citizen's discount. All work is guaranteed for 90 days parts and labor. And he'll also do a Saturday appointment. It's Ryan's Appliance Repair. When your appliance is dying, you know who to call. Call Ryan, 401-710-7096. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Remember, for your business, Mega Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508 508- 33621 MEG Mega Truck and Trailer Repair Commercial Trailers Diesel Equipment Remember free estimates call them today 508 336 2110 Mega Truck and Trailer Repair 
FHWA inspections or Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service, ABS repairs, brakes, doors. If it's on a trailer, they can fix it. Mega truck and trailer repair. Call them, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110 for Mega truck and trailer repair. He is Dan McCown of the Boston Globe. Dan, I just want to follow up. You know, I was there Friday night and I did see Commander Verdi is just amazing. He is all cop. It is so smart. You know, it's funny. And that's that was really interesting. And in, in observing you pointed out the tactical of where they place people to control it, because that's also what struck to me was the National Guard. When you have the vehicles out, what they don't realize is they control the flow of where they want the traffic to go. They can have a vehicle block right. the street, suddenly it becomes one lane. As soon as you start to approach the mall, you couldn't get in through the garage. So much of this, it's tactical, setting the crowd where you want them to be, as opposed to we're on that Monday night where they were going wherever they wanted and they didn't have control of, of where the crowd was. So it's, there's a lot to it. And I, like, I think like you, I was so impressed behind the scenes how they tactically work they really know what they're doing, and by doing this, they they avoid a lot of danger and problems going wrong. Well, and here, here's the other brilliant move that, that they pulled. And this, this I know, I'm sure you heard this, and, and I certainly heard this from readers and you know people on Twitter. But at, at, right after the you know the so-called curfew hit, um, you know you're watching people, and I'm and I said, yeah, at what point? You know, I, I asked the, the chief and the public safety commissioner, at what point do you guys have to kind of move in and? actually tell people you know they got to get out of here and they both looked at me and kind of smiled and said as long as there's no violence they can do whatever they want and that was another strategic decision and it it goes hand in hand john with what you're saying that for the most part because they had the resources of the national guard and the state police they had the ability to kind of you know get everybody where they wanted them to be and as long as people were not you know throwing bottles or anything if they want to walk through the streets, um, you know, it didn't cause much of a disruption. Now, for the folks on Federal Hill, you know, their restaurants had to be closed early for, for all of this. You know, certainly you feel for them. But I mean, once they got to Federal Hill, they realized they kind of had to turn around because there was nothing right. going on in all the places. All the buildings were boarded up. Right. Uh, and so. It was a brilliant tactical and strategic decision. You know, everybody, it, it, you say we're not going to enforce the the uh, the curfew, and and people feel good about that. Oh, you know, smart move. They probably never had any intention of of enforcing a curfew with thousands of people. What are they going to do? Like pick people off one by one? No, they 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 had it all planned out. It was it was really impressive to watch out. And I'm sure, by the way, people who were part of the protest, you know, side of this probably aren't thrilled to hear that. They probably didn't want to believe that, that they were actually operating well within the confines of what the law enforcement wanted them to do. And I, that's probably the best sign of, you know, a, a prepared law enforcement system, right? That they, They're kind of, uh, they, they certainly had a visible presence, but they were not really kind of interrupting anything. And, and the protesters generally had to follow suit. That photo Craig Walker took is an award-winning oh, photo. Of Governor Amundo, she is sweaty. It's hot. She's right next to the activist Bradley, uh, who I know there's the uh, you know the first gentleman behind him. What a moment, Dan McGowan. But the problem is, my goodness, the uproar because the governor did not have a mask and look, they're holding hands and the whole <laughs> thing. Boy, that 
That photo <laughs> is going down in the archives. And I'm not sure in a good way. I mean, I yeah. give her credit. I mean, I, you know, as we've talked about it, but I, boy, that photo was, he's, Craig Walker, that was very, very talented. It was a, that was an excellent photo. It, rem- it reminds me a couple of weeks ago, you and I talked about, I believe it was uh, the photo of, of the governor for the first time yes. walking out during one of the press conferences yes. with a mascot. And we said, boy, that, that could be the kind of lasting photo. And now you wonder, I mean, oh, yeah. that photo this time is, you know, this is going to be the thing that will probably be, you know, held on to for a really long time when you think about Governor Ramirez. And is that Peter Ortiz behind next to the first general? Yeah. That no is. mask there either. Yep. Well, Dan McGowan, on, on Sunday morning, on Saturday night, the alley story broke. Monday morning, uh, Sunday morning, I went there. I talked with them. I talked with Matt. I was trying to. I, You've been I, everywhere I was on trying this to story, say that, Listen, I've been coming here for 50 years. I said, before you go ahead with this, are you sure? Do you understand that? There's more to this story because the police are, bark, you know, punching back saying, well, wait a minute. You know, we were there and that happened because we were looking for the gun. Nope, I am sticking with this. Dan McGowan, on Monday, I had him for an hour. And I, here it is Wednesday. I'm still the only one that's gotten him. It remains an exclusive. He's really in the bunker now. And what I, I was joking, like, I don't know if they're going to be opening here from now. I don't know if he's going to make it to the 4th of July. Today, there were four people in line, four people. And by the way, you're always in line because everything's outside but there. So four people and his staff doesn't want to come in and work there. This is I I don't know where this is going to go, but this is unbelievable what's happening with Ali's Donuts. Well, it's the unraveling of yes, a hallmark in Rhode Island. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Doing something like this. Right. And, and, And so. I, I think you're right. And I think it, I, I under, I think you do too. I think we all understand sort of, especially younger people and their, you know, wokeness or whatever and wanting to, uh, you know, create change and things like that. This was a, 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 a big stretch for a couple of different reasons, even if it, you know, in, it, on its face has to do with, you know, police brutality, when you do it to the military, suddenly you're, you're not supporting something that, that I think is pretty widely supported right. to our military. Uh, and so, you know, and I know that initially, that I think, I think you reported this initially, they felt like they got, you know, a big, you know, boom in business, I think on that Sunday. But the more people think about this, and the more people, uh, uh, you know, the more he almost doubles down or triples down on, on, kind of the stance i i do think it can it can and will probably affect uh business for him it's also not i I don't i mean look you want to donate the proceeds to a good cause things like that i mean that's the effective way of of getting this you can put your money where your mouth is by by you know uh being increasingly hostile to law enforcement and to the military i'm just not sure that it that it actually gets you anywhere i'm curious what you think about that because i think you I've, I've been followed your your coverage of this, and you know I think you've tried to say, are you know, are you sure about this? And he seems to be very, you know, very serious and very sure about it. But I'm not sure that he's kind of seeing exactly. the entire chest. And I even said to him, you know, Matt, you you, I was reading back his comments from from Instagram on Saturday night, where I would fire that officer into that officer profiled, and he said, he said, you keep judging me on what I wrote instead of what I'm saying right now. And that's when I knew he was in trouble. Like, what are you talking about? Those are the words that stuck. Yeah. He is, um, I, I don't, th- this is incredible to watch it unravel. Uh, for a long time, they thought they were just printing money. 
I used to go there when I used to go to Green Hill and, and there were no other places around. Now there's a lot of other options around. And I was still trying to give them out because when you saw that compelling firefighter live on your old employer channel 12 on Friday night, mm-hmm. it sounded like my goodness, guns drawn, racially profiled. And now we find out that, that there was a police incident with an armed suspect. And so I just felt he, he was, he was reacting without having all the facts. And that was a very important ingredient to miss out. And he's really gotten himself into a bunker now where he's damaged that each day that goes by, it gets worse. I don't know if they're going to get it back. Um, do you have any, uh, Dan, update on uh, – we're still waiting to hear from, you know, the police and the fire. And Derek Silva jumped in and was back in the firefighter. And Perry said he's going to look into it. But here it is Wednesday, and we still haven't heard anything about it. That was, that was really I, – I couldn't believe it. And I know the Providence police are still very angry that that firefighter went on live TV. Oh, yeah. Painted by all accounts – at the very least, he, it's an incomplete picture of the events as they happened that night. That's, that's exactly right. I mean, here's the thing. Look, there's always a level of tension between the Providence police and the Providence firefighters. Uh, uh, you know, most recently, you know, a couple of years ago when the mayor was having his big battle with the firefighters, you talk to a lot of police officers and say, if they're being honest, they would say, those guys yep. make way too much, way too much in overtime. You know, there, there is certainly, you know, uh, some level of discontent there. Um, things have been mo- mostly quiet for a while. And then this this kind of pops up. What I'm expecting, John, is I'm expecting at least at, at some point this week for the body yes. cam footage to be uh, released. Remember, that, that's You're kind right. of the, the key here. There is body camera footage. We know that everybody has seen it. And I think the, the interesting situation here is it is entirely possible, right, for the firefighter to have felt like he was put in a really bad place, right? No one, you and I certainly would not want to have a gun pulled on us. And even if, I, even if you know, you told me all the facts that there was somebody close by and a robbery or things like that, I might still think, boy, I, I, I wish right. that that gun wasn't pulled on me. So it's entirely possible for the firefighter to have felt, you know, yes. uh, you know scared happened. or, or yes. in a bad place. And, and for, right, the police to have done the right thing. And if you listen to what the police are saying, um, knowing, of course, that they have seen the body footage, right, they, they would not be, you know, right. so vocal about this if they didn't think they had a reason to stand by it. And, and I actually, I, this is something that popped up in conversation on Friday night when I was talking to the commissioner. And, and he said, you know, it's going to be a difficult situation because it, it's going to look like oh. both sides are right. The problem is, is that once that camera footage comes out and let's say it, it doesn't show, you, know, you, you can't, camera footage doesn't tell you how scared someone was. So what you're going to see is police presumably doing what they were supposed to do or the majority of what they were supposed to do. I think that's going to turn you know, the public around a little bit and say, wait a minute, this sounds like a cry wolf situation. Um, and John, this, this brings you to a, a, a more, I think a broader conversation nationally. You know, as we talk about a presidential election where it certainly looks like Joe Biden, you know, has jumped out to some level of a lead here. Um, the more this conversation, the more conversations about defunding the police and things like that. I actually think it gives that opening to President Trump oh, to be the law and order. Oh, candidate. yeah. You know, I think he probably, he, I'm sure he doesn't enjoy the unrest in this country, but I, I do think he, 
he knows that politically it actually benefits. And it, that, that all trickles down here locally. I mean, it, you know, I think once people start to feel like maybe they're, you know, the, these, the protests are overdone, you saw this a little bit from the, the riots, right? People were not happy with what happened in Providence that night or that morning. And I, I do, I think you're, you could start to see a little bit of, sh- of, of, of a shift and then I want. No, no, no. You know, it's sorry, I'm going on, John. But the, the 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 other thing that I that I wonder is, there's a real conversation to be had, and I have a story coming out later today or tomorrow about virtually every police chief in the state, maybe with the exception of one or two, believes that you have to change the law enforcement yes. bill of rights. That's the kind of the Bible for for police officers. And but the more you get in these these dicey situations that are like one offs where you're not so sure who's right and who's wrong. I, I tell you, I, I do think it makes it much more difficult to get anything changed, uh, you know, uh, policy-wise, because suddenly everything yep. becomes much more blurry. And I, so I think that's oh. going to be a challenge. You know, the story uh, in this morning's Boston Globe, Providence officer on paid leave after man's injured during last week's protest. Dan McGowan, did you take that photo of the burned-out cruiser? Is that your photo? Oh, all right. No, wow. no, it isn't. No, it isn't. Just so photo. people understand, <laughs> yeah, that is why, photo, yeah. you know, FBI Boston's involved. It's quiet now, but that and some of the things they found around the mall and especially that shoe store, the shoe store got their attention. I'm told, you know, the shoe store, the um, the shoe store, they stand on fire. That's arson. And not only that, but if the sprinklers had not put out that fire in the shoe store, it's a two stories apartments above that. That could have really led to death. Um, I, I, I know it's quiet at the moment, but, but people should realize they, that is a very, very active investigation. And they really want to get to the root of, forget about some of these kids that were jumping up and down and smashing windows. They, they want to know who really had the goods to you know, enable like this, this uh, squad car to the fires in and around Providence, that they are, that is a very, very active investigation, Dan McGowan. It's not just an active investigation. This is one of those investigations, you know, look, they all, the, the law enforcement yeah. always wants to catch the bad guy, right? But this is one of those ones where uh, I, I would venture to guess, and it's been reported nationally, this comes right from oh, yeah. the top of the Department of Justice, right? They're saying, you need to get this in order and so uh, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think uh, it is one thing to see a little bit of, of you know, a, 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 I say a little bit. There were a lot of broken windows and things like that. It's different when you're setting fires. I know this actually uh, uh, for a fact that I know that the, the woman, yeah. the young woman yes. who was arrested last week, um, she has, has written a private apology wow. to the chief of police in Providence and said, look, I'm, re- I'm sorry about this. Um, I believe he accepted that apology. Now that does not stop her from, you know, charges still go forward when you, when you're sorry. Um, But I know that has happened. Um, I I think that's also a sign though, that, that both Providence and certainly higher level law enforcement or or federal law enforcement knows that this goes way beyond, you know, a a girl from Warwick. And, uh, and I think that, that investigation, I I think they will probably uh, be able to solve it. And I think they will make a, uh, a big deal, you know, they'll make a scene out of it. This will be one of those times you and I have been to many of them when they, oh, you know, the yeah. big mob busts or the big, you know, Gordon Fox bust. This will be a big deal when they, yeah, when they eventually get it. There's different levels of crimes that happen. Sometimes, you know, somebody just sticks up a liquor store. 
Then there's like the somebody that gets into the vault of a bank. This is one of those that it has their attention. <laughs> and with FBI uh, Boston involved with it. Uh, Dan McGowan, before I uh, let you go, each morning, folks, it's terrific. I mean, it's like uh, I used to walk up to the driveway and pick up the paper instead to my inbox is delivered uh, roadmap. It's an email I get every morning and I read it uh, in uh, Dan McGowan. How, how can people get it for free? That's right. Every, every day for free, every weekday uh, before 8 a.m., um, I'll send you a, uh, an email. <clears throat> if you send me a blank email to rinews at globe.com, just a blank email, rinews at globe.com. You'll start getting it every day. It's going to have a little bit of original reporting. It's going to have kind of a wrap-up of our stories in the globe and the things you should read uh, globe-wide that we're covering. And then it has kind of a useful daily guide to what's happening. The governor's press conference is at one. You know, the mayor of Providence is doing this. They're talking yeah. about defunding the police in the Providence City Council tonight. Uh, and so uh, it gives you the, the just kind of all you need to know. It takes five minutes to read, like John said, completely free. So rinews at globe.com. Kat Kerwin, I want to see morning. it. This is her dream. Defund the police. Bring it on. <laughs> all right. It it's John DePietro. Listen, folks, this is a unique situation. But instead of wasting the time by just watching television or old episodes of old movies, instead, clean up your home, clean up your attic, clean up your basement and your garage. Call Brothers Disposal today, 401-688-0517. Call them for a free estimate. They will deliver a dumpster right to your home. Do some spring cleaning. Use this time to finally clean that out that old junk from your basement, from your attic, from your garage. Do some spring cleaning. Use this unique time. Call Brothers Disposal today, 401-688-0517. They'll come to your home. They will drop off a dumpster. You load it up, tell them whenever it is. Maybe it stays for a week. Maybe it stays for a weekend. Maybe it stays for one day. Call Brothers Disposal today. Free estimate, 401-688-0517. Stop watching Netflix. Do something productive. Finally, clean up your home. Clean out that garage or the attic or the basement. Call Brothers Disposal today, 401-688-0517. Free estimate, 401 401- 688-0517. It's Brothers Disposal, and let's get a dumpster in the driveway. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by MEGA, MEGA Professionals. Call them today, 508 336 7801 508-336-7801. Now, what exactly do they do, MEGA professionals? They're here to help you run your business by finding you workers. And maybe you need workers. Maybe you need drivers, workers, certified help, part-time, full-time, weekend work, 
uh, local, aka sleep at home drivers, class A, B, non CDL, warehouse workers, mechanics, skilled workers, labor, healthcare professionals, office professionals. You need workers. You need MEGA, M E G A, professionals. You're trying to run your business. I, listen, it's a hassle trying to hire people, go through all the resumes, set up the interviews. Instead, it's one phone call to help you with your company. MEGA professionals. 508-336-7801, 508-336-7801 for MEGA Professionals. This portion of the John DePietro Show is brought to you by Lawn Doctor. Call today, your best lawn ever guaranteed, 401-392-1025, 401-392-1025, or online, they have a great website, lawndoctor.com. Com. What do they do? Well, outdoor pest control, annual program, lawn care service. They make great lawns happen. Lawn Doctor Rhode Island, your lawn care company. Love your lawn. Best lawn guaranteed. Call them today, 401-392-1025. Free uh, consultation and estimate, 401-392-1025. Lawn Doctor. And now is the time. Because you can get the early spring, the crabgrass control, time-release fertilizer, professional blend of high-calcium line, Lawn Doctor. Go online, check them out. It's LawnDoctor.com or call them today, 401-392-1025. Lawn Doctor. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401 401- 431-2300, MEGA, MEGA Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third-party brokerage for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies. You can depend on MEGA, MEGA Logistics. Call them today, 401-431-2300, 401 431 2300. Does that sound like your company? Maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MEGA Logistics 401-431-2300.